Hey guys, this is Zachary Shiloh. I'm sitting in my room. Welcome to another episode of Black Lions Airspace. Right now, welcome to the long-awaited Boom Power Corner, where I discuss Power Rangers, Super Sentai, and anything that involves them both. The last time I did one of these was in November. Since then, the world of PR and Double uh, S have evolved. I wanted to do recordings respectively for certain topics. However, I wasn't really feeling it at the time because of other things in life going on. But I've always wanted to record my thoughts on what's been happening. Now, today, I'm actually backing up what I said. On this episode... There's plenty to talk about. We're going to actually kick off with my thoughts on the now departed, or soon to really be returning, uh, Power Rangers Beast Morphers. I was able to catch up on the remaining episodes from uh, Fury to... Evox's upgrade. I think that's the finale thing. All episodes of Beast Morphers were entertaining. They made me laugh. But it didn't feel like the moral of the day was being forced down your throat. They handled their storytelling a little bit more mature than the past Saban series of the last, I say, five to ten years. So thank you very much to the writers of that show, if they ever heard this. The characters are still relatable. Oh, my God, we actually do got parents who care about the kids. As long as I've been a PR fan, we don't see parents quite so much on the show. This series brought back the importance of mothers and fathers. We live in a world where parents exist. It's about time that Power Rangers reflected it. The Red Ranger has a father who's a mayor. The Blue Ranger's mother is the commander of the organization that the Rangers are with. Yellow's mom is a reporter. You could relate to all of them to some degree or another, even if you're not a parent. Well, to some degree, I am a parent because 
I took care of a cat and he was my child for the better part of two to three years. So I understand their frustrations with their kids or whatever the case may have been. But as a parent, you love your child. You want the best for them. The action overall was very, very good. It is more so, I say, original than the quote-unquote Sentai footage from Goldbusters. I really appreciated that. Because for years, Power Rangers has had this thing of relying on the Sentai footage a little bit too much. And taking that footage and making it not quite so good to the story that's being told. The actual finale Evox upgrade. I really, really enjoyed it. We actually, spoilers if you don't mind or care. Uh, the Red Ranger was captured in the last episode. The team is trying to get him back from Evox's world. His father, the mayor, found out his identity. The Daniels family have been more so at odds practically since episode one. It was nice to see father talking to son, actually respecting what the son has done overall. The actual episode itself was very heartwarming, especially when Commander Shaw was talking to Mayor Daniels about Ravi, the Blue Ranger, being her son. I think that was the first time that Commander Shaw really made that known to anybody that wasn't just a member of the group that the Rangers worked for. Feels good to actually be talking in PR again on you. <laughs> All right. So the bottom line is that the villain was defeated. We actually do get the celebratory uh, ceremony at the end of the episode. Here's the kicker, though. It really led into the, what I feel was a to-be-continued. Mayor Daniels, I believe, was infected by Evox. To what length, we shall find out. And it's not going to be too long. 
In a month's time, Beast Morphers will be back. They will be back for Season 2 at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank God for cable TV and a family that cares. I will be home that morning to watch as it happens live. Hopefully. That's the key word. We shall see. Now to do a little bit of hyping for the second season. Not only do we possibly find out about what happened to Mayor Daniels, but according to rumors, not even just rumors, it's been confirmed. Austin St. John, the original Red Ranger, Jason, will be returning for this big dinosaur ranger team-up. And it was definitely confirmed, as I said, at Power Morphica, not Power Morphica, New York City Comic Con. I thought it was cool beans even more. I am hyped to see him return almost 20 years later since his last actual Power Rangers appearance on TV. Uh, from there, we get the return of uh, Dr. K and Colonel Truman from Power Rangers RPM. This is very, very huge. Beast Morphers from episode one, the actual premiere, gave me this vibe that it was RPM done in a different light. But it feels now that there's more of a tie-in to RPM because of these two big-time characters returning. I'm curious how they'll be used, what the story truly is as far as their coming to this actual season. Oh, man. I'm getting even more hyped just thinking about it. My hopes for this season. I want the team-ups to be good. Part of me wishes that each would actually have not just an episode, maybe like two episodes. And if not two episodes, then actually have it be longer than your normal run-of-the-mill episode, which is, without commercials, roughly 22, 23 minutes. So roughly 44 to 46 minutes, if possible. I want to see the relationship between Ravi and Roxy grow. Because I thought the actors are pretty good. 
now that Roxy supposedly is free from her evil clone, I want to see an actual romance on PR. One that can flourish and be beautiful. Maybe when the series ends, uh, Zoe and Nate can possibly start dating. I don't know. I would like that. That wouldn't be quite so bad. Uh, anything else that I would like to see? Not really. All I want is for Beast Morphin Season 2 to do as well as Season 1 or even exceed it. I believe it can. Alright, when I get back, we'll be talking next about uh, Power Rangers versus Ninja Turtles. That's truly how to pronounce it. <laughs> Alright, be back. So. Alright, welcome back. Now it's time to discuss the Teenagers with Attitudes meeting the Heroes in a Half Show. Let me give you a little bit of a background as far as my fandom of both. I've been a PR fan since practically the beginning in 93. Ninja Turtles came into my life roughly when I was three years old, I believe. Two to three years old. So I've been rocking with that for many years, too. When I found out that this actual crossover was happening, my jaw was on the floor. I was hyped to be able to read the first issue up to a certain point at uh, Paramorph, not Paramorphicon, Jesus Christ. That's where I want to go exactly one day. I got the chance to read this issue at New York Comic Con. <laughs> it's been a while. I still say to this day that New York Comic Con should have given the audience the free full issue. If the makers of New York Comic Con are listening to this, this year, in October, please, if you get copies of comics, let it be the full version. Don't be just a tease so I could waste $3.99 in months to come. Thank you. <sighs> well, the first issue really is about Tommy actually joining the Foot Clan for the most part. We see him fight the Ninja Turtles unmorphed. And he beats the hell out of uh, Raphael, for the most part. 
like embarrassed him. This is how I know that we're dealing with Ninja Turtles that I could actually stomach or even am familiar with. They come up with a nickname for this dude who they didn't even know. They are calling him Steve the Ninja. <laughs> Steve the Ninja, that, that still makes me laugh. Oh boy. Before we meet this world's version of the Turtles, we actually are with the non-Green Ranger members of the Power Rangers team who are fighting a swarm of putties and a monster of the week who I don't remember off the top of my head and I don't feel like going to find out. All I remember is that this person actually, no, excuse me, this monster was beaten with the combined power weapons in the formation called the uh, Power Blaster. I am definitely convinced that this story takes place in the actual uh, Go Go Power Rangers timeline. Post uh, Green Evil, Green Wolf Evil. The Tom, the post Tommy introduction. I don't know what point, definitely, but it's definitely before they arrive at the Thunderzords, I believe. So we're definitely still in season one of the actual Power Rangers series. The Rangers eventually do find out that Tommy is fighting the Turtles. Of course, they stick by their comrade's side, but Tommy is not telling them all that he really is doing. In a brief talk with Kimberly, he's just asking her to trust him that in due time she'll get why he's doing what he's doing. I love just watching the Rangers fight the Turtles. It was like a clash of my childhood. I didn't know who to root for. I love both sides because they actually brought so much of fun, light, and hope when I was a kid. So it was very hard for me to choose a side, and I would not be choosing any sides if they actually ever did fight again. That's episode one of that entire run. Uh, number two is really the continuation. We actually get the Turtles and Rangers to finally stop fighting. The Rangers reveal themselves to the Turtles. All nine of them, who are not Tommy Oliver, actually go down to the sewers. Pretty much it's the 
Ninja Turtles origin, if you actually seen the cartoon and movie series where tur uh, the turtles are being explained by Splinter to whoever is being told. The Rangers revealed themselves because Zordon felt that they could be trusted. And when you trust your mentors, you go by what they say or do. So the Rangers revealed themselves. I thought that this was an okay move. Some people may have thought, well, that's a garbage move. That's not smart. Usually I would have complained if this was something like on Arrow or The Flash, where you're constantly revealing yourself to your enemies, or your enemies already knew you. <laughs> Coincidentally, the Rangers' identities weren't known to the Foot Clan. Well, Tommy's identity was known, known to Shredder. At the end of issue one, Shredder shows up in the shadows with his daughter, Karai. Karai had no clue who Tommy really was because Tommy was under the name of Tommy Marshall. He never used his real name. Last name was. In this episode, yeah, I'll just call it an episode. Tommy gets captured. He gets captured by the Shredder after a friend of his, air quotes, actually stabbed him in the back. Not with a knife, but shocked him. When Tommy wakes up, he's in the Technodrone with Shredder. He morphs, but gets reversed. When I actually saw this, I said, oh, snap. Shredder actually has his own version of the Lord Dragon technology that can cause Rangers to do more. Very, very, very good writing. <clears throat> Meanwhile, <clears throat> Billy's hanging out with Donatello and the big brains are just talking to each other. The turtle is more so geeking out over the human than the human about the turtle. The biggest line that had me laughing was when uh, Donnie was given the offer to possibly help Billy fix the Zords or Megazord, whatever the case was. And watching Donnie just lose his mind, I almost split a ribbon laughing. Nice heart to heart with uh, Kimberly and April. Kimberly acting like she's an intern for April. I thought it was very, very cute. It's almost like an older sister to a younger sister. The remaining 
non-Splinter or Tommy characters, they go off to fight the foot. And who are they? Jason, Zack, and Trini, who are the Omega Rangers in the main Boom Studios Power Rangers comics line, which I will be reviewing on this shortly. And the Ninja Turtles of Raphael, Michelangelo, and Leonardo. It is still kind of mind-boggling to see the Power Rangers fighting actual human beings. I'm so used to them fighting demons or monsters, witches, but people that don't got powers at all. Macaulay Culkin and Look from Home Alone 1. Ah! So far, there has been no Zord news. Like I said, it was mentions of Donatello possibly helping Billy to fix him one day, but no use of the actual machines themselves. The actual issue of number two, or episode two, as I called it earlier, it ends with Shredder actually appearing at Rita's palace. Shockingly, Shredder morphs into the Green Ranger. I had this image ruined. I actually thought that issue number two was going to be released a week later after I read it. A friend of mine, or an old friend of mine, he actually had a thumbnail of what's being referred to as Green Ranger Shredder as his actual uh, thumbnail for his review. I said, no, 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 this didn't actually happen. But it actually did. Plus, I thought something like it would probably would have happened because of Shredder's appearance at the end of the last issue, the first issue. For Ryan Parrott to actually <clears throat> go ahead to make Shredder a Power Ranger, that is very, very ballsy. But it makes sense because it's in the Power Rangers universe to some degrees or another. Now, as far as future issues are concerned, I'm wondering if the Turtles will become Power Rangers themselves to fight their old foe. How does Tommy get back the Green Ranger power from Shredhead? Will Splinter get involved a little bit better? Who and what from the Power Rangers universe will be used as well? Well, I believe that now we are 
almost to the halfway point of that crossbow. Next week, this coming Wednesday, really, issue three is out. Hyped. Let's just leave it at that. After a brief break, it's time to get into Mighty Morphin. Previously on Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, we actually landed on the moon where the Omega Rangers were starting to fight towards that. Eventually, the group splits up. Jason faces that on his own. I thought this was one of the best fights in the actual Power Rangers comics world. It never happened on the TV show. This is exclusively for the comics. Watching that fight, or reading it more so, makes me wish as a kid that when Austin St. John, uh, Tui Trang, and Walter Jones were all leaving the actual series, that Jason actually got the fight Zed as the Mighty Morphin Red Ranger. But I didn't complain because for years I always thought, what if this fight actually happened? I got it. I had a great time reading it. It ends with uh, Jason <laughs> calling for his Zord. The Zord knocks Zed out. I said, what? Wow. Okay. That was pretty dope. The Mighty Morphin team shows up to kind of thank the Omegas, in a sense, but silence was golden. The teams didn't really exchange any formalities. Omega Blue, she lost her mind. She tries to nearly killed the White Ranger because the White Ranger is a reincarnated Lord Dragon in her eyes. Tommy is not Dragon. The Omega Rangers had to literally calm her down. So their robot uh, Z 11 in Roman numerals actually teleported them up to their ship and they went back to safe haven with an encased words that well everybody except for jason that was he is explaining himself to zordon while still morphed and zordon basically gives him this warning because you defeated zed you don't know what you may have caused and zordon's words would echo for the next several issues specifically when we get towards the end of this one a very huge moment took place the mighty morphin team 
they feel like they're possibly being replaced. They're wondering what their role is now that there's no Zed. What holds for them? Well, unbeknownst to them at that time, Goldar, Squat, and Babu, they're here on our planet. Hiding in a junkyard trying to uh, mess around with Zed's staff. Them along with uh, Finster. They're all here on Earth. Uh, let's see, 45, what else happens? Well, Omega Blue, she winds up killing the Blue Emissary, supposedly, because she felt that he was a traitor. The universe don't need no rangers. Oh, man. That was very, very huge. Now, is the Blue Emissary completely dead? I don't think so. If anybody's a comic book fan out there, you know that death does not stay quite so permanent. So, going into that issue was a, aww. Uh, but he'll be back. He'll be back. And if he isn't, that's when it's really an oh wow, oh shit moment. <clears throat> MMPR 46 was, I believe, the true turning point of this series with Kia leaving the Omega Rangers. As I touched on, she wants a universe without Rangers. It should be her and what she's christened the anointed. The anointed are now freed people that were affected by the uh, Morphin Grid, the source of the Power Rangers' powers. When I saw that uh, Garrison Fox, the little green Brio dude, were both out, I thought, uh-oh, this is going to be something to really see. The biggest moment for me in that issue was Kia basically rocking Jason's jaw to the point that Jason himself was practically in the dirt. And when we get to the end of the issue, it looks like he got bloody. You never seen that in the TV show. Characters get rocked so hard that they're busted open or really stitched up. If you were watching the ser original series or other series that didn't really condone injuries or 
blood, you would be in awe. You'd say, oh, man, this would have been a great moment on the show. But thank God for Boom Studios Comics. They're funny. Okay. Well, from there, we get the Omega Rangers, the original three, on safe haven, walking around. They notice the blue emissary's cloak, or I think that's the case. <laughs> They notice the emissary's cloak. They notice that the robot has been kind of destroyed. As I, as I said, sorry, my tongue got caught and I kind of bit myself. <laughs> Let's see. The Jason injury that I mentioned led to Zach and Trini fighting Kia, Vox, and the little Briel dude. The Omega Rangers get pummeled. So pummeled that they literally had to leave safe heaven. With the injured Jason who looked like he was on life support. And the ramifications of their actions was exactly what Zordon said in that low-key tone. Right before Tommy gets to talk to Jason in their morphed states in MMPR 45. The actual MMPR team, I believe they were actually having a simulated fight using their Zords. The point of that training was for the non-White Ranger team to come together to beat the monster in that scenario. But Tommy showed up and the Rangers didn't get what they really wanted. Kimberly chews Tommy out, post what happened, stating that the new Rangers of Rocky, Adam, and Aisha, they're trying to really step up. There will be a point in time where the Rangers don't have Tommy around. Matter of fact, he wasn't around for a while because he got injured by Dane, who will be mentioned before this review completely is over. Excuse me. So the actual MMPR team, more so Kimberly and Billy, are having a talk about post-Ranger life. The Stone Canyon Trio, they're talking about trying to step up to being red, yellow, and black. We ultimately get in a 
a scene where the Rangers are talking to Zordon about what they're doing. Now that there's no Zed or real threat, what's the plan of them being Rangers? To end the issue of number 46, here come the Omega Rangers. 47, now we're up to par, is basically the Omega Rangers paying for their sins. Now they've exposed themselves to the actual MMPR team. The Mighty Morphin Rangers know that they're Jason, Zach, and Trini. And you could cut the tension with a knife. It was so strong in this. So for those of us that actually thought that these three were on a press conference or peace conference, now those rangers know that these three weren't. Whereas in the actual uh, series, the TV series, these three were gone because their respective actors left the show. So for some people, they really like this version because it explains or adds to the actual lore of the series. I dig it either which way. Because I'm an adult, I understand that in real life, you don't stay on TV shows forever if the money's not right or you feel that the story being told is not to your satisfaction. So I respected Austin St. John, Tui Trang, and Walter Jones's point of view. Whereas with Boom Studios, the Omega Rangers, their origin really is because of Shattered Grit, trying to prevent another Shattered Grid from happening. The actual Mighty Morphin team morphed to go face off with the revamped Goldar, who turned this bus, this school bus, into a monster that actually held the Rangers uh, teacher, Mrs. Appleby, the Nimrods of Vulcan Skull, who run this uh, YouTube channel called uh, Ranger Station. And Skull's girlfriend, Candace, along with other classmates, I'm believing, in its tummy. I love when the Rangers morph in this comic. It just makes me happy. It almost feels like they're really powering up if they were almost in Dragon Ball or something like that. So if you like Dragon Ball, you probably would appreciate the morphing sequence to some degree or another. 
So to make the story short as far as the battle is concerned, the Rangers beat Goldar. Goldar is forced to retreat. They save the civilians from the bus monster. What I liked about that was that there was no Zorg use. None. It was just ingenuity at its finest. Or what would be called ninjanuity in Three Ninjas uh, kickback. <sighs> Man, it's so much nostalgia. I love it. Okay. The rest of the episode is pretty much the Omega Rangers getting chewed. Like, how could you do this to us, not tell us anything? Now, because of your own actions, Jason is hurt. Our friendship pretty much is kind of splintered. How can we trust what you say? Eventually, Jason does wake up. And what I said was exactly how the MMPR team felt to the Omegas. But here's where respect comes in. The newbies go off with two-thirds of the Omegas. I dug it. I dug it especially for the heart-to-heart -heart between the yellows to get an explanation out of Trini to Aisha. Like, if you're doing this uh, secret Rangers Ops team, why am I here? Are you just going to take your power back? Well, that's not the case. Trini is fine with being Omega Yellow. I thought that was very, very nice. <sighs> well, the episode actually ends with the Omega Rangers, MMPR Red, Black and Yellow, actually getting attacked by the little Briel dude. Now... I'm all caught up as far as MMPR is concerned. Now just waiting for February's issue to come out. Well, at the time of this recording, we are over halfway done with the Necessary Evil arc. Ryan Parrott confirmed this on Ranger Danger I believe after uh, 46 dropped. And it makes sense because we started off in June and more than likely it will end in May. That's what I'm thinking. <sighs> Speaking of ending, we'll get to Go Go Power Rangers. 
issues 25 through 27 with the announcement of a very huge ending. Be back shortly. Okay, welcome back. We are now up to Go-Go Power Rangers issues 25 through 28. Basically, Go-Go 25 through 27 is a retelling of the episode called White Light, which is Tommy's debut as the White Ranger. We basically are taking a more in-depth look into how the Omega Rangers are formed. By the end of 27, it's the Omega Rangers before they actually gained those powers. Jason and Zach and Trini are all together. Yeah. They have relived Shattered Grey. Zach and Trini were confronted by the Blue Emissary after their meeting up in the command center in GoGo 25. They wanted to be by Jason's side because Jason needed his friends. He couldn't put all that uh, responsibility on himself to help the Blue Emissary. He needed people that he knew, plus he could trust. So having those two by his side who knew him since basically they were kids made sense to me, especially from the standpoint of Trini because she was Jason's ex-girlfriend, somebody that really knew Jason, really knew him from his personality to his actual actions. So Ryan Parrott actually writing this confirmation at the end, I did not question it. And it really does tie into how they came together as one for the actual Mighty Morphin comics, where they actually stand right now. I like the heart-to-heart of Jason to Kimberly, or excuse me, Kimberly to Jason, where she tells Jason that you shouldn't have to feel like Hercules. You shouldn't have to take on the responsibility all yourself. She's telling Jason this after the Thunder Megazord gets damaged by Nimrod, the Scarlet Sentinel, and her boys, DC and AC. I thought that was nice. I, I actually laughed so hard that Ryan Parrott decided to name the other two monsters after the rock and roll group. Ryan Parrott is definitely the rock and roll fan. I could tell. I could tell. So 
we are actually by the end of 47 or midway really with the zords damaged and billy is actually at the command center trying to power the zords a little bit more he's not actually in the thunder zords the megazord like he was in the actual series which i thought was a nice touch to add to him actually being there to find the mystery of the white ranger speaking of the white ranger i thought it was a nice trial for tommy they've actually gone to really a whole nother level to make that story bigger than it was like those of us that actually stood by the show we have always wondered for years like why does tommy actually have the the white ranger power why is he all of a sudden the leader of the team? Well, according to Zordon of this reality, Tommy has proven that he's not just a great man. He actually has the potential to be a leader, plus with the threat that is Lord Zed, it called for a ranger of stronger power and for leadership that is not Jason. Now that Jason has been demoted, it's going to be interesting to see how he actually adapts to Tommy being the leader for a while until the Omegas go off to do their mission of fixing the grid or making sure that the Morphin grid doesn't actually tear again. Tommy's trial saw him go to a temple where the white light is. And supposedly the white light was the white power coin in a case. And it was guarded by Saba, who was the guardian of I said, what? Supposedly, this Saba never met Tommy. He knew of this Tommy, but was not really accepting of him because he thought that Tommy actually has the potential to be more dragon. Which I respected. So he had Tommy face off against a image of what was supposed to be Lord Zed. I thought that was very, very cool. I would have loved if it really was Lord Zed and Tommy beat him. But that child kind of felt to me like uh, Tommy versus Godar and uh, Green No More. Where Tommy was fighting Godar powerless and won. 
but you find out that it was a mirage when uh, the white tiger licks Tommy by his face and the talking sword basically tells him this was just a test to see if you are truly worthy of the power. He had to be selfless. Somebody that could be trusted with the power. And Tommy did earn it. I liked it. I really, really did. Because, as I said earlier, the TV show never really explained how Tommy got the power. All we knew at 1994 or 95, whenever the White Ranger really showed up, was that Tommy was at a cabin that was his uncle's. And all of a sudden, he's just transported to a secret location to become the White Ranger. As an adult, I still kind of wish that they explained that a little bit better. Not saying that what explanation that they gave was crap or BS. It just would have been nicer to have a better run. So from going to White Light, we get a special edition of Go-Go, which dropped last Wednesday. And it's pretty much a reader backstory. I thought it was nice seeing an alternate version of her that was good. To find out what was going on with her in the dumpster <laughs> as she's traveling through space. So, if you like actual Power Ranger stories that don't involve the Rangers at all, I recommend giving that a try. <sighs> well, now it's time for a little bit of sad news. If you're a fan of the GoGo Power Rangers comics and you don't know this, GoGo's ending. After two or three years, it's done. GoGo 32 is the last issue of GoGo. Ryan Parrott and everybody involved with the comics, they knew that uh, Gogo was eventually going to be done. It made sense to me when I actually heard about this. Gogo is pretty much done to me because it's just realigning itself with the main line comic. Is basically in the same time frame now. With Gogo more so going in more depth to what happened to specific characters 
or remixing huge PR moments. So I'm not really sad that GoGo's gone. I'm just glad that it's the first comic book run in full that I've actually read from start to finish as it's happening. As a comic books fan, I never read an entire storyline as it's being written by its writer and the team that backs them up on the animated front line. So it's been a major honor for me as a Power Rangers fan who loved the comic books that gets to say goodbye to something that he loved. Now, as far as the future of Power Rangers comics is concerned, Ryan Parrott has stated on Ranger Danger that the comic series in general will continue, meaning MMPR. Now, will there be a replacement for GoGo? That's unknown. For now, we still have the Turtles crossover. If I could give my opinion, I believe to some degrees or another that there will be a different Power Rangers comic. I don't know what it will be. Part of me is hoping that we get Power Rangers Zeo, which is basically season four of Power Rangers, and then have MMPR be the explanation for what goes on in Zeo. Like I said back in October, I want more crossovers. I, I really do. I would love, 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 love to actually have the Power Rangers crossover with the VR Troopers. Please, Boom Studios, if you ever listen to this, make that happen. So many of us love both series. Please, please, please make that happen. <sighs> the world of Power Rangers and comic books in the last near four years has been quite a ride. And I'm glad that I've been a part of it for roughly three consistently. Man. So now know that Gogo will be out of my life. As I said, I'm accepting them. Because it's been so good. It's given me more what-if scenarios than anything else in comics. Like, I never really had a comic series from, hey, Mom, doing a podcast. How are you? Huh? I'm recording a podcast. How are you? Okay, so my time just started. 
I love you too, Mom. <laughs> yes, folks, you heard me actually have a brief uh, discussion with my mother, uh, who is doing some stuff around the house. <sighs> I'm grateful to still be living with my family. Okay. Now that Gogo is out the way, I'm now wondering what else to really talk about. Okay, I guess we can really talk about the Sentai. So when I get back, we shall do so. All right, here we are with the talk of Super Sentai for this episode. Ryu Soldier has been, for the most part, way better during the second half of the series than it was in the first. We're now getting into the meat and potatoes, if you want to use that term, of this series. We should have been getting certain information I say mid-season. I agree with Japan when he says that certain things are just being shoehorned for the sake of it. It, it feels kind of bum rush. My hope is that when it gets adapted into Power Rangers that we really do get a good flushed out story that it doesn't feel like okay the masters are possibly evil black and whatever are having a possible relationship blah 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 but the action Overall has been pretty good. Very, very good. Especially with the ground fights. I feel that the Ryu Soldier power-ups should have ended with the Max Soul Red formation. As far as ground armors are concerned, I think that the Ryu Soul Caliber was not really quite so required in my point. I felt that was a waste of time, but the most recent episode or episodes, meaning the last episode or two, really have shown that there was a point to the sword being involved overall. Now it's said that the Soul Caliber, it was tied to the final boss who's now being revealed as uh, Eris, 
or Eras. If you want to spell it correctly, it's E-R-A-S. I thought that was a nice name for <laughs> a boss. And to end the series with an era being defeated, yeah, that's going to be good when we get to it. Oh, man. I think some of the best stuff is seeing the Ryu soldiers really have to go through these trials to get uh, stronger. They didn't really do that quite so much in the first half of the series. Hence why I'm kind of about the actual Ryu soldiers being where they are now. Not saying that it completely sucks. Not saying that at all. It's just, why do you have to feel so rushed? Again, I like fleshed out stories. And certain things should have happened mid-season. Not towards the end game. By finding out that the precious character is responsible for sealing the Kishiri or the Mechas. And this would have been very, very nice to know maybe her debut episode or maybe two episodes later. That way we wouldn't be having these Mecha look like cowards. That's just my opinion. <sighs> now it feels like an even bigger toy grab. From what it looks like to me, they're possibly adding in another ranger into this. Maybe. It's just a redesign of the guy sword armor. I am not quite so keen on that. I remember looking at it after uh, Japanime was talking about it or A-plus opinions won. Then just shaking my head, saying, seriously, seriously, why do you got to bring this armor back again, but repaint it? You already repainted some of your villains into new ones. Oh, man, I'm so ready for Real Soldier to be done. With that said, I'm looking more so forward to the end game being completely flushed out. And thank goodness, in a week's time, I think it's almost exactly one month before the true end of this series. I don't know how sometimes I've even stayed with this thing. 
sometimes I felt the story was wishy-washy or wonky to the point that I should have left. I should have just stopped watching altogether. But I didn't. Now I'm grateful. Because it goes on the list of tokus that I've actually watched in the end. <laughs> so grateful. Speaking of Super Sentai's or Rio Soldier, I finished actually watching the movie earlier today. It was basically a regular episode of the show, in my point of view. That's one thing I don't like about these tokusatsu movies to some degree or another, is that uh, movies for certain shows feel like you're around the mill episode. But here's the thing about the Rear Soldier movie. It does tie into the trials of the Ryu Soul Caliber. So, I'm not really completely wham, wham, wham about it. Usually, Sentai films or Toku General films, they don't tie in really heavily into the show that comes from it. Like these, what we would have called here in America, Power Ranger team-ups. They never really acknowledged them heavy in the TV show. It felt like those moments were just made for big screen. Well, it's kind of a big deal in the sense that those stories get sent to the actual screen, big screen. I wish that those stories would have been touched on a little bit more after all was said and done. I really do. Just unplugged a device if you actually heard a thud in the background. All right. From a Sentai that is to the Sentai that looks like has potential, we go to Kira Major. This is where not being on social media is a complete blossom. Brief water break. I didn't know quite so much about Kira Major because I'm not on social media. So when I actually listened to the likes of Japanime or uh, Adam Perez of A Plus Opinions, I'm blind as a bat. I don't know anything. So my genuine reactions are exactly that. They are Genuine. So 
I take that for a blessing. So they've shown scans of the new Rangers for the upcoming season out in Japan. And officially, the new season, Kira Major, it's supposed to start in March on the in American time here in New York, that means I'm not going to watch it until Monday morning or later in the week, depending on the situation. Usually it's on Mondays for me. Well, it is giving me this vibe of uh, go on your meets. Uh, Maji Ranger for the most part. I remember saying that there was a third sense I feel that it gave me. But it definitely feels more so Go Anger and Maji Ranger than anything else. Oh, 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 I remember. And to some degree, Q-Ranger. Because they got a female Green Ranger. Oh, man. It looks so good. It looks like it really does have potential. Now, it kind of scares me from the standpoint of the Red Ranger... Because he seems like a fanboy of the other four. And the other four have been Rangers for some time. I think that this whole entire thing of the Red Ranger being the last member of the team has kind of worn itself out on. Not saying that I'm not watching Kara Major because I definitely am. From the story standpoint, it sounds like something that is worth my time. But with like all the other sense, I I want to give it up to at least episode three to really make an impact on me. Because I believe that it should be given a fair pass to try to swoon me, if you will. So far, from what it looks like, it has. It has because of what vibes that it's given me. Plus, the females on this series kind of uh, look nice. They feel the part, but we'll keep on going as we get closer to that series and when it is actually airing, what the actual acting is truly like. But again, my hope is that Kara Major is way better than 
uh, the current one, uh, Ryu Soldier. Now, when the team up of those two teams happen, I'll watch because I like continuing this list of general Super Sentai's, common writers, and whatever other stuff that's like it, like those two continues to grow. So, good luck to Kira Major. I really hope it does well. Well, it's time for Black Lion's Roar, which is my shout-outs. Please actually follow Adam Perez of A-Plus Opinions, Japanime, Ranger Liz, uh, George Jr., Orange Ranger, and Database Ranger. I trust those people on YouTube. They actually are Power Rangers and Super Sentai fans who drop reviews depending on what they really like to see and give you the truth of what they did and did not like about certain episodes. From the audio standpoint, please follow uh, Ranger Danger. Ranger Danger are these two guys from Australia who hang out with their friends and watch random Power Rangers episodes and somehow, some way, every single month, they get Ryan Parrott, the actual writer of the Power Rangers comics, on to their show to actually discuss what's happened in the actual comic issues. The most recent episode is for GoGo27 and TMNT crossover with Power Rangers number two. Issue two. And of course, please stay with me because I'm going to keep on providing you guys with Power Rangers and Super Sentai stuff where I feel the need to. <laughs> with that said, thank you so much for flying through Black Lion's airspace with me, looking through Black Lion's eyesight, and roaming around Black Lion's domain in general. Please email me at zacshi130 at gmail.com. Don't be afraid to listen to my show, L-I-N-K-T-R-E-E slash Z-H-C-S-H-I-130. Also, please subscribe to my YouTube channel. I believe that tomorrow before a webinar, I will be really taking time out to do maybe a Black Lion's Eyesight special edition of 
Boom Power Corner because I got some stuff that I would like to show you guys that I got at PalCon and talk about what happened. With that said, again, this is Zachary Shiloh. Thank you so much. Please take care of yourselves, each other, your friends and families. We only got one life to live. Let's make it more phenomenal. Love you.